God, we just come before you uh, this evening, Father, knowing that um, you are our God and that you created the world and you created the universe, but that you still desire to have relationship with us. Father, we know that as we go through struggles and we go through trials in our lives, that God, you're really the only one who has the big picture answer. You're really the only one who can take our struggles and our issues and our frustrations and fix them and reassemble them, put them back together the way that they are supposed to be. God, we ask that you would do that in our lives. Lord, one of the ways that we desperately need you to do that is we need to be able to admit to you when we make mistakes, when we struggle, when there's sin in our lives, when there's brokenness. Father, that if we just take that brokenness, that sin, that struggle, and we just take it to you and put it on the table, that you're willing to forgive, forget, move on, move past it. The Bible tells us that anything that we ask for you to forgive, you do. And it's no longer held over our head, against us. It's no longer in our lives at all. So we're just going to take a moment, each of us individually here tonight, to do that. We're just going to take a moment to go to you, God, and just ask for forgiveness, confess anything that doesn't need to be in our lives. Let's just do that right now. Father, forgive us for those things. And Lord, we thank you that you have a great plan and a great vision for our lives. Lord, that it is not just um, us wandering through life, but that you want to do something special with each of us. Lord, that the more we turn our lives over to you, the more you make them be the way that you intended them to be. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your vision. We thank you for your love. Father, we pray tonight as we talk about this issue of in the name of love, God, may you grant us the Holy Spirit so that our lives will be filled with you, so that we would have the, the strength and the desire and the heart to do what you have called us to do. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, because we're short of musicians again tonight, um, we mixed some things up. Uh, I just want to, since I didn't have a chance to do the welcome, I just want to take a moment and just welcome each of you. Um, we're excited that you're here. Uh, everyone here knows the green card, I think. So there's a green card in your bulletin. You can just fill it out, throw it in there, um, all that good stuff as well. You know our vision. So we're just going to get right down to the, to the message. Um, that way you'll get out earlier and we'll have more time for discussion and that sort of good stuff. So we're in our new series, In the Name of Love, and I'm pretty excited about this series. Pretty excited to the point where I really messed it up in the first two services. But that's okay, because you guys come in the evening, and so I've had all day to think about how could I say that differently, and um, so tonight, hopefully, you'll get the benefit of my having thought about it today. Well, In the Name of Love is our series, and, you know, I know when I named it this and I sent it out, you know, on the flyers to people and that sort of thing, I know that a lot of people probably would think, you know, hey, we're going to talk about God's love for us, right? We're going to talk about how much He loves us, and, uh, and we are, to a certain degree. But uh, I named it this because, you know, I'm sort of a child of the 80s, and uh, there was a rock band in the 80s that had a song, you know, basically in the name of love, and talked about how, you know, it was so much that God sacrificed for us. So sacrifice is sort of what we're going to talk about, but not exactly either. So let's get right down to it and talk about what we're going to talk about uh, tonight and for next couple of weeks. The subtext of our four-week series is, do we really love people? And of course, this is a trick question, 
Because what I'm going to ask is, do we really love people enough to tell people who God is and what God has done for us? That's really the question that we're going to be taking up this week and the next couple of weeks. Well, here's our strategy. Our strategy is this, is that today we're going to talk about that God loved us enough to tell us and to show us that He is real and that He wants to be in our lives. Instead of hiding it, instead of being coy about it, instead of, you know, mentioning it in those situations where we wouldn't be offended by it or we wouldn't be discouraged by it. Instead, God chose to tell all of us, to show all of us how much He loved us. And the question that we have to ask is, are we willing, do we love people enough to do the same for them as well? Well, we're going to see what the Bible says. We're going to look at 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. If you want to open up your Bibles, we're going to look at that, sort of the, sort of the base text, and then we're going to look at a couple of other texts as well. But uh, it'll be up on the big screen as well. So let's see what the Bible says here. Um, 1 John chapter 4 says this, God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, the thing is, we could talk about this subject. We could, you know, I could do a whole message on this about God's sacrifice for us, and that would be, that's true. That's what the main point of this message, of this passage is. But in that point is the idea that God communicated that to us, right? God just didn't do it in secret, in hiding, never communicating to us what He was going to do. But as we're going to talk about tonight, because of His great love for us, that He was willing to not only say His love and His plan for His for our lives, but He was willing to show it as well by sending Jesus to come and be our Redeemer if we allow Him to be. Let's break this down. Now let me give you a little warning here, given this is my third time doing this. The first ten minutes or so, you guys are going to be like, I don't see where this really relates to something, okay? But you'll get it by the end, because I have to sort of build the case for you before I can really sort of drive it home. So let's talk about this. Three ideas tonight, as usual. Well, maybe not always as usual, but for tonight. Let's talk about it. God started the conversation with us. If you've got your hand out, you can follow along. But um, when we think about knowing God or understanding God, the fact of the matter is, is that God is the one who started conversation with us. He is the one who chose and decided to bridge the gap and to make himself known to us. Now, here's the thing. There are several myths that I've got to kind of, you know, take the needle to, like a balloon, pop them, for us to be able to really understand what's going on here. One of the myths that we face all the time in our world is that God's out there, He's doing the God thing, we're down here doing the rat race thing, making a buck, living our lives, right? And that if somehow, if we want to know God, that somehow we have to sort of do our part and We'll get halfway there, and then maybe God will meet us halfway. We'll burn some candles. We'll sit on top of the mountain. We'll get in touch with our inner child or just our feelings, or we'll be a good person. And all those things we use as examples of how we sort of can bridge the gap between God and ourselves. The problem is the Bible is very clear that this is not the way it works. And in fact, it doesn't really make sense anyway. So the Bible tells us that basically that God is the one who started conversation with us because from the time before you were even born, God decided to, first of all, do what? Send His Son, okay? Decided to make sure that the Bible is written, that we can all have access to. Decided to send people who could teach about His good news. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And sent His Holy Spirit into our lives 
And I can go on down the list of different things, too, that he has done, that the Bible talks about all these ways that God has chosen to communicate with us. So even before we were ever a twinkle in our mom and dad's eye, before we were ever born, God started the conversation to be able to be in a place by which we can be right with him, we can be his friends again. So God started the conversation with us. The reason why that myth is a, is a problematic myth of us sort of reaching the God halfway is because the, the, the well, it's kind of like a middle school dance. And I realize now that when I went to middle school, it's probably really different than middle school a long time ago. When I went, to, I mean, today, I went a long time ago. When I went to middle school, what did the guys do? They stayed on one side of the room, right? And all the girls stayed on the other side of the room, right? And they were all afraid to talk to each other. I realized after the second service, I don't know what middle schoolers do now. Maybe it's total party. I don't know. But in my experience, there's, there's, there was at least a little bit of fear and trepidation about the people on the other side. As we approach God, we cannot buy into the myth that God is over there and we are over here. That we have to sort of meet together awkwardly, weirdly, maybe it'll work out. Because the Bible tells us that from the beginning, that God came all the way towards us. That he doesn't just stay Velcroed to the wall like the guys and gals do at the middle school dance, at least in the old days. But that he actually walked all the way across the room to converse with us, to establish friendship with us, to make himself known to us. So the key here is that God chose to make himself known to people. That this was his decision, this was his choice. He wasn't forced to do it, as we're going to talk about in a minute, but he actively chose to do it. Each day that we go through our lives, there are people that we come across with all the time. Some people are nice. Some people are not nice. Some people we admire. Some people we don't admire. Some people we want to know. Some people we don't want to know, right? And we make a decision every single day whether or not we are going to make ourselves known. That's the biblical way of saying it. We don't say it like that in English, do we? That whether or not we're going to say, hey, what's up? This is, hey, how's it going, you know? talk to them. We just make a decision every day of whether we're going to talk to different people or not. And what I'm saying is the Bible tells us from the very beginning that God chose to start the conversation with you or I. He chose to do it. He didn't have to do it. He chose to do it. Now we're going to talk about why in just a second. But the other thing is, is that we need to understand here that God could have just left us in the dark. That it was not necessary for God to make himself known to us because there's nothing that says he has to do it. Let's talk about another myth that, that comes up, and, and I have to sort of cover some myths at the beginning of this series. But one of the myths that comes up in our world is, um, and this is, by the way, a myth, part, bonus for the evening folks, a myth particular to the 20th and 21st century. Um, it's not that there hasn't been this myth in times past, but it's been particularly problematic in the last 100 years, which is basically this. The myth that God is Santa Claus. You know what happens in the movies? Do you ever watch the movies, like the Christmas movies? My wife drives me crazy at Christmas time because she's like, we can only watch Christmas movies. And after watching like the Christmas movie like 80 times, I'm like, it's driving me crazy, right? Do you know what happens in all the Christmas movies? It doesn't matter whether the kid is naughty or nice. If he wants a red tricycle, what does he get? He gets a red tricycle from Santa. That's what Santa does. Santa always delivers in the movie. I don't think it would be a very good selling movie or a very good plot line if little Ricky was really naughty and, and didn't get the red tricycle and there was no like comedic factor of him turning into an elf or something like that, right? But the myth is that basically we ask for it and we get it. That's what Santa does. 
And so the, the myths, we can extrapolate that into society because there are so many people in our society, in our world, who say, wait a minute, you're talking about God here. God has to love us. He has to do good. He has to, do, he has to, he has to we, you know, everyone goes to heaven. Everyone's okay with God. We, that's all this problem with religion, not getting along. It's because they see God so narrow-mindedly and that God just does anything that we ask or, you know, because he just loves everyone. Well, besides the fact that it's not logically consistent, I mean, there's always a classic example, what do you do to a Satan worshipers? Because if everybody goes to heaven and God's going to give you anything you want, well, Satan worshipers can't go to heaven because they don't want to go there, and that's not what they want. Plus, we can't give everybody everything that we want because it doesn't work out like that. Hey, if you have kids, give them everything that they want and see how they are like when they grow up, right? <laughs> well, right. That would be a problem. So the thing is, there's a myth there. God, the myth is, is that God must reveal himself to us. But the Bible is clear that God chose to reveal himself to us. He chose to choose to be friends with us because of what? Because of his love for us. Not because love forced him to do it or because there, you know, he has to please everyone, but because he chose to love people. Love is always a decision, a choice, right? We know that even from the movies. And God could have just left us in the dark, but instead he chose to make himself known to us. Now, this is the other thing too, because when we talk about this issue of why God chose to make himself known, why God chose to establish relationship with us, why did he do it? There's one more myth I'm going to cover tonight, which is this, is that when God chooses to speak to us, what does he choose to speak to us about? I mean, when, 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 when we say that we know God, that God is our friend, that we have relationship with God, that Jesus is our Savior, when we make those statements, what are we saying? Because we're basically saying that God has communicated something to us, or maybe if we're incorrect, we think that we have figured it out for ourselves. But that God has communicated something to us, what is it that God has communicated to us? Don't, don't, don't fall asleep. It's all, I'm almost done with the preface. We have two more minutes, okay? What is it that God has communicated to us? What is one of the primary things? Well, if we just want to make it simple for the sake of discussion tonight, God has given us the Bible, okay? But even forget the Bible for just a second, because the thing is, when we read the Bible, I know it's hard. Hopefully all of you are reading the Bible, but, I mean, I blogged on it this week over at Zondervan's website, and uh, I know the Bible sometimes can be hard to understand, but that's cool because, well, it's not cool, but it's, it's, it's a fact of life. But when we look at the Bible, there's a central part of it, and that central part of it, what do we call it? It's called the gospel, right? Have you heard the gospel? The gospel doesn't mean what? It's not your categorization on your iPod, right, for music. What is the gospel, right? And so when we talk about this, what God has chosen to communicate to us, if we could put it in one word, is gospel. Gospel means what? Simply good news. It's just a different language uh, term for good news. That's all it is. So God said, listen, I'm going to choose to communicate with people, and what I'm going to choose to communicate with them about is, the, is what I'm calling the good news is the good news, right? Not like the secrets of calculus, not like, you know, whether UFOs exist or not. But instead, God chose to make his central communication to people to be the good news. Well, you may ask, what is the good news? Just so we're on the same page, let's, let's talk about what the gospel is for a second. 1 Corinthians 15, just one of the passages in the Bible that mentions it. 
Here's what it says. Paul's talking here. Let me now remind you of the good news that I preached to you before. Preached just means spoken to. It just, you know. It is this good news that saves you. What does save mean in the old language? It means redeemed, made right, made a friend of God. Same thing. It is this good news that makes you right with God, that makes you a friend of God if you continue to believe. I passed on to you what was the most important part, which is this. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said, meaning the Old Testament. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, again, just as the Scriptures said would happen. And then Paul goes on and talks about how the gospel plays out into our lives and how God wants all of that to be a part of us knowing him and thus relating to him. So here's the thing. God is the one who started conversation with us. Okay, Before we were even born, God wanted to know us and have relationship with us. He wanted to be our friend. Because there's no way that we can climb up to heaven and establish friendship with God. We can't do it. We can't go to the top of the highest mountain, light a few candles, you know, sit in the, in the position and, and meditate and get ourselves into a high enough plane of consciousness where we are going to know God. It's not possible. He is completely transcendent. But yet the Bible says that God was willing to break through space and time to know us and to have a relationship with us, to be a friend of ours. But his communication was what? It wasn't just random, you know, SETI, like a beep, beep, beep. I don't know if that's what SETI makes, but whatever. You know, you think of that like space people, right? And so, uh, sorry, rabbit running along. And so, and so instead of this, God chose to stay and, and really nail down his message in one thing, which was the good news. The good news is just what? That is just simply God saying, listen, the good news is what? That I love you, you're broken. I want you to be back in relationship with me. I want you to move out of your life of brokenness and sinfulness. I want you to have relationship with me. And by the way, good news, um, I'm going to allow Jesus, my son, to come. And as a demonstration for you, he's going to die as an innocent person. And that will free you, if you believe in him, that will free you from your misery and from your brokenness. That's the good news right there. God's willingness to do it was a motivation, was a factor of his love for us. Now let's talk about this because it's easy for us to sort of miss this idea of love. God's motivation for communicating with us was his great love for us. Now again, this is the problem because love is kind of a, it's a many splintered thing, but it's also a many, it's a many funny thing in our world today because people use the word love all kinds of different ways. You know, I am, um, I know uh, a family um, and uh, they have kids about the same age as my kids. And their parenting style is that they're going to love their kids no matter what. Okay? They're never going to discipline them or correct them. They're just going to love them, love them, love them. Okay. So if you're a parent, you can probably, of older kids, <laughs> you can probably see where that may not be the best strategy of all. So when we say that God's motivation was to love us, we need to define what that means because God's motivation was based on his love to see us be restored to him out of the misery that we are in, even if it's an unpleasant conversation. God was not required to reveal his plan to us, but yet he chose to do it even though he knew that it would not necessarily be a pleasant conversation. Listen, we all know, if you're here tonight, you know that your life is not perfect, right? No perfect people here. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, we're not perfect. Okay? We 
struggle as we go through life. We struggle with sinfulness, by the way, which just means what? Brokenness, our selfishness, our doing things the wrong way. You know, we, we mess up relationships. We wish we could have said things differently. We wish we could have done things differently, right? That's all what the Bible calls sin. And so what happens is that sin is in our lives, and sin makes us what? Miserable, right? The brokenness in our lives makes us miserable. If we always communicated perfectly with other people, if we had perfect relationships with other people, if we had perfect relationships with our world, then we would not, we would not face misery. But we do face misery because of the imperfect world and broken world that we live in. That's just the reason why, even though I'm a Christian, I wake up in the morning and some days I feel rotten and I have a really bad day. I have a really bad day. You know when you have a bad day, it just sort of gets worse as time goes on, right, throughout the day. And it seems like you just want to go hide in your room so you don't have to talk to anybody else because you feel like you're going to keep messing it up and your day's going to keep getting worse. The thing is, is that this brokenness, this misery, this struggle that we have makes it difficult for someone to necessarily speak to us because sometimes we don't want to hear it. You know, when the parent that I mentioned, um, they have sort of uh, talked to me a little bit about parenting. And um, the parent I mentioned who only loves their kids and never disciplines or corrects them just always applies love in their definition. And they'll ask me, they don't ask me, you know, what do you think of my parenting? Nobody ever does that, right? Nobody ever asks that. But they'll say, you know, it's interesting how you do with Wyatt and how I do with so-and-so and and that sort of thing. And, I, you know, at that point, I want to say, yeah, but he needs some discipline or something. You know what I mean? You can't just, there's got to be something else here, you know? Your house is being burned down because you're loving him too much, you know? And, And so what happens is, even though God was not required to reveal his plan to us, he took the risky chance of revealing it to us because of his love for us. Why was it risky? Well, it's because of rejection. Rejection, right? See, here's the thing. Love makes God speak up in the face of rejection. I mean, if I go to that person who is loving their kids to death to the point where there's no discipline, no correction, nothing at all, and I tell them, you know, you're my friend, but I really need to tell you that this, your parenting is a little bit off here. What's going to happen? You don't ever correct someone's parenting, right? You never tell another parent. You never tell another parent how to parent, right? They're going to slap me in the face. That's what would happen, right? But the thing is, the thing is, the thing is, is that will I be willing to speak up even though I know it may be rejected? Let me ask you a question. For those of you that are single, this might be a little easier to ask than those of you who are married, because those of you who are married are going to have to remember a long time ago, perhaps, but just like that. When you were single, and you saw a girl or a guy that you liked, and you wanted to ask them out, what was one of the things that most likely to stop you from asking them out? The fear of what? Rejection, Right? The fear of rejection. This rejection thing is a big fear. I mean, we're afraid that if we ask this person out that they're going to say no and then we're going to be rejected. Well, you know, when I did, I did singles ministry at a mega church um, in North Carolina many years ago, and it was fun. Singles ministry is a blast. I mean, you know, you, you go boating on the weekend and 
jet skiing and all that stuff, and, you know, just, just a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I would have lots of 30-year-old guys and gals, and, I mean, the singles ministry all ages, but the, some of the 30s were the, and no offense to anyone in here, but some of them were pitiful because I, they would say, you know, Pastor, I, I'm not, I'm not finding anyone that I can go out with. And I'm like, have you asked any of the girls for coffee? No. And I'm like, dude, you're 38, you're living at home with your mom, and you're not asking, you know, the girl to go to coffee with you. Why is this not working? You're right. Tell me why your plan is not working. You know, the funny thing is, though, is that even that sometimes will make, they'll get mad. I mean, I had one or two guys get mad with me. Because, you know, they don't like to be faced with even the thought of doing something that will face rejection. Let me ask you a different question. If, if you were single, uh, some of you are single, some of you are not single, but if you were single and you were interested in a young lady or a young, young man and you knew that it was a, only a 1% chance that they would say yes to you, that you asked them out and there's only a 1% chance they would say yes, would you do it? Well... For those of us who like to beat our heads against the wall hundreds of times like Roland, then maybe, maybe you would. And you wore your wife down, and that's more power to you. <laughs> but most people would be afraid to do that because they would look at that 1%, and they would say, that's not very good odds. She's never going to go out with me. He's never going to go out with me. And so we don't do it. Because, see, this issue of rejection is really big. But here's what you've got to realize is that God chose to communicate the good news to us even in the face of certain rejection. You know why I say certain rejection? Because every single one of us here, from me to you, at some point in our lives have rejected God. At some point in our lives, we said, God, I'm not interested in that. I don't want, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I don't want it. I don't want it. Now, hopefully, if you're here tonight, most of you have, left the rejection behind and you're now you know serving the lord and living for him and that sort of thing but you know what god still spoke up knowing that most people 99.9 percent at least at the beginning are going to reject him now if we watch the movies let's look to hollywood first for a cue here if we look at the movies the guy that does everything to win the girl's heart to say i want to go out with you even though faces certain rejection, but he gets the girl, and what happens? He's the hero, right? Because he was willing to stare down rejection. But God is even more of a hero than that, because God was willing to stare down our rejection and still tell us that, look, I love you. I sent my son to show you how much I love you. Your life is miserable right now because you're trusting in yourself. Stop doing that. Trust in me. But you know, here's the thing that happens, because uh, this happens all the time, but a couple weeks ago, for example, I was talking to a guy, uh, talked to a lot of people, but talking to a guy who's not a believer, uh, he's unhappy in his life, and he's doing lots of stuff that the Bible would consider to be unwise, sinful, broken, right, adding to brokenness in his life. And he goes through all the issues of all his struggles, and I listen and that sort of thing, and then I say, well, let me just throw something out as an idea. Maybe if you just stop living that lifestyle, trust in God and allow God to bring in a different lifestyle, leave that stuff behind, ask God for forgiveness for it, take hold of God's hand, be his friend, allow Jesus to, to redeem you out of that situation, maybe your life would be better. 
But you know what he says to me? I mean, this happens a lot. He says, hmm, nah, nah. I mean, all my friends at work do the same thing. I just, I just needed a pick-me-up for a while to make me feel better, right? And yet, the thing is, is that God, even for him, is willing to say to him, through me, through other people, through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit, I mean, go down, it's not just one thing, it's like tons. Go down the list. Is willing to tell him, look, I love you, even knowing that he's going to reject, even knowing he's going to reject us. Love is what makes God speak up. Not because it's the Santa Claus love where everybody's just going to be like, oh yeah, cool. No. It's a love knowing that most people are going to reject us. That's why the Bible talks about the, the way to God is narrow, you know, and there's a wide road that leads elsewhere. And it's because most people just ultimately say no to God. It's been true since the beginning of time. Nothing is going to change that now. But here's where it comes to us and where the rubber sort of meets the road. Love makes God speak up. God is willing to share the gospel, the good news with people, knowing that there's a huge chance of rejection, but he was willing to do it anyway. So let me ask you the, the question that we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. Are you willing, do you love people enough that you're willing to share the good news with them about what God has done for their lives? Not because you're a know-it-all, not because you're religious, not because you've smarter than them, but because they live in a miserable situation just like you did at one point in time. Now, let me just ask this. You're going to have to be very humble and very honest about this because, and don't lie to me because you're in church. You know, the lightning thing? Don't lie to me, okay? But, but listen, for those of you for whom Jesus died and redeemed you, isn't your life better now because of his sacrifice for you? Yeah. Wasn't your life more miserable without God? Yeah. And so here's the funny thing. The funny thing is, the, the funny thing is, is that we are not alone in our misery. Because everyone else has the same problems and the same struggles as well. Don't you think that many of them also would like a similar solution to you or I? Let me say it another way. The sin, the scarring, the brokenness that's in our world, really, it scars everything. That's the word I wanted there. It scars everything. It messes everything up. The Bible says it completely has messed up everything because the brokenness extends to every part of creation. And so, look, I know that you got people who go to work and they think they don't want, you don't want, to, talk, they don't want to talk to you about their religion thing because their life is fine and they're fine and you're fine and everybody's fine, right? But just a lie. You know it's a lie. You, you know it's a lie. Well, don't believe in that myth. Let me say it that way, okay? It's a lie because I'm going to tell you, those people come to me too. They come to me and they got fancy jobs and, you know, they're this and they're that. And they come to me and they won't choose Jesus, but they'll tell me about their brokenness and will I pray for them and will I, you know, will I do this and will I do that for them. Why? Because they're just living that I'm okay, you're okay. I'm fine, you're fine. Who's fine? Hey, you fine, fine, I'm fine. Yeah, hey, fine, yeah, I'm good, I'm fine. They're living that lie. But you know the truth that there's scarring underneath there. And you know what? Just as you are thankful that God came and redeemed you, there are many, many people out there who also will want to hear the good news and will want to know that God loves them enough that, that he's going to do something about their misery. 
but it requires us to be willing to love them enough to speak that truth in their life. I know, I know what you're going to say. See, God spoke knowing our rejection. God spoke up knowing our rejection. You're going to say, Pastor, you don't understand because I, I know what the two top excuses is. This is all I think of. Number two top excuse on why I can't tell other people about Jesus is because I don't know what to say. Okay, we're going to cover that in the next couple of weeks. But, hey, you want to know what to say? God changed my life. He can do the same thing. I believe in your life. Just give it a try. See what happens. Boom. There you go. You want something easier? Just invite them to church. It's not the best way, but it's, it's effective. Okay? I can just explain it. God speaks knowing our rejection. But the question is, do you love people enough to speak up, knowing that they may reject you, but are you willing to do it because you know that it will help them out of their misery? Let me ask you a question. If you go home tonight, you get ready for bed, you hear a scratching at your door, you open the door, you look out the peephole, there's no person there, you open the door, there's a, an old hungry dog there, you know, crying because he doesn't have anything to eat. Are you going to get him something to eat, hot dog, something, give it to him? Most of us would, right? But there's a danger there. What's the danger in doing that? Anybody know what the danger is in doing that? Well, the dog could always bite you, right? Because he doesn't know you. You, I mean, you don't know that dog. But yet we, we take the risk because we know that the dog needs food, even though the dog may bite us, thinking that we're trying to hurt him. We would still do it because we know that he needs the food. Let me ask you a different question. If you knew somebody, for example, who was raising their kids and... For those, especially for those who are parents, and who would love their kids to no end, but would never discipline them at all. Never try to curtail them or anything. They're still little. Would you say to them, hey, you know, maybe there's a, have you ever thought about maybe trying a different technique or something, knowing that they'll probably bite you for saying that? But would you care enough about that person to offer them a suggestion or an alternative idea. Unfortunately, most of us would be a little bit afraid to do the second one, right? Because we would be worried about what would that person say? What would that person say? And so, you know, God's love for us is so great that He speaks up anyway, knowing we will bite His hand, knowing that He will reject us, that we will reject Him, that we will say, no, God, I don't, I, get out, I'm not going to be religious. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to do these things. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to... I am not going to submit my life to you. Knowing that we would do it, he did it anyway. The question is, are we willing to do it? Let me give you an irony and then give you something sad to think about tonight as we finish up here. You know what's ironic? I just mentioned that the number one thing that people will tell me in church, on average, is that, you know, Pastor, I don't want to tell other people about Jesus because they're going to reject what I have to say. Do you know what the ironic thing is? Studies show that 80% of Christians never, ever, ever tell other people about Jesus. The ironic thing is that we're worried about rejection, but most of us have never faced rejection. Now, I know the statistic at BBC is not this bad. I, I know that. I know that because I talk to you. But the average Christian doesn't ever face rejection because they don't ever bother to share 
and tell people what God has done for them. So they don't even know. Mention another one. And 95% of Christians never share the gospel so as to lead someone to God. Never. And that's sad. Because the Bible says that there is basically great glory and great reward for those who have are able to show someone how to get out of a life of misery and to get serving God. And you know what? Only 2% of Christians, 2%, ever share the gospel with any regularity, ever tell people with regularity. You know what? Um, oh, let me just mention this. The average Christian can't face rejection because the average Christian never speaks up to begin with. You know what's sad? Is the sad thing is, is that I spend a lot of time on talking about rejection like in this message and other messages. But the truth is, is that people don't want to be rejected just like they don't want to reject other people. And so a lot of times when you tell someone about God, when you tell them what Jesus done, even in this area, even in the San Francisco Bay Area of all the parts of the country, a lot of people are just like, oh, okay, dude, that's for you, but that's not really for me. So, okay, cool. We're cool? Okay, cool. They don't really get that mad because they don't really want you to reject them either. You know, there was a guy who uh, does something for me. I can't say what he does. But there's a guy who does something for me, and um, uh, he's older than me. And uh, he knew I was a pastor. He figured it out. And uh, so I, one day I was talking to him. I was like, hey, man, so, uh, you know, what's this whole thing with church in your life stuff? He was like, let me tell you. I was Catholic, and when I got out of that, when I was, like, in high school, I'll never go back. I'll never go to church again, ever. No way. Forget it. Don't, nope. I know what it's all about. I am not into that. Okay, cool. True story. Cool. So, uh, so anyway, time goes on. A couple months went by. I kind of, you know, just politely said, you know, I mentioned a couple things. Like, yeah, you know, it'd be, you know, what's going on in your life? You know, talk about his life and just, just some other things. And then, lo and behold, last month we did the mailer out to the community, right? Um, the Finding Success in Economic Mess. And he got it. And uh, so, so I asked him, I said, you get mail? He's like, oh, yeah, I got that. Is that like, you know, Tony Robbins? Are you going to make help me get money? I said, no, not, <laughs> not really like that. Uh, but uh, you can still come. He's like, okay, all right. So he didn't come. He didn't come. But Saturday, no lie, yesterday, he calls me on the phone. He said, hey, Douglas, listen, I, uh, just, I had to call me about something else. But then he's like, hey, listen, you know, I didn't get a flyer this time about your new series, but I saw the sign change. So can you send me a new flyer about your new series? And maybe, maybe I, I don't know, maybe I can swing by one of these times. Wow. You know what I mean? I don't know if he'll ever come or not. But the thing is, is that there's no, I didn't face rejection there. He didn't even get mad. He's the one asking me now, you know. And why is it? Because the thing is, is that everybody who's honest knows that their life is not where it needs to be, that there's brokenness and misery in it, and if there really is a God who can help them, boy, they will sign up tomorrow to get that. But you know what? They don't understand it unless we are able to show it and tell it to them the same way God did for us. You didn't figure it out yourself, did you? No, you didn't. You didn't figure out how to have a relationship with God, how to be a friend with God by yourself. No. Someone had to tell you. Someone had to explain it to you. Someone had to share it with you. God started it he did it, even though he knew we were face rejection. He got the ball rolling, and then someone else took it even further and was one of the people that told you about who God was and how much he loved you. And you know what? God is calling all of us who are, have relationship with him to do the same thing. 
The question you have to ask in your mind is really, is the same one I asked earlier. Do you love others enough that you're willing to tell them how much God loves them? Knowing that they may bite your hand, knowing that they may not appreciate it, knowing that they may get mad with you, although most people don't. Studies show that 60, 80% of people you invite to church will say yes. Not if you're like, if you run down the street randomly on the light rail and yell, hey, go to church with me. I mean, that's not going to be in the 60, 80%. But if you have friends and you're like, hey, dude, come on, come on, go to church with me, 60 or 80% of the people will say yes. Maybe it'll be Easter, maybe it'll be Christmas, but they'll say yes. Are you willing? Do you love people enough to tell them what God has done? Do you love them enough to see them get out of the misery that they're in and get more hope in their lives, to get a little bit more of God in their lives, or do you not care at all and are willing to just let people go by all the time without knowing God and without the chance of knowing God, or just hoping that someone else will say, because my friends, that my friends, that is not love, and that will not work. Look, I know we're all worried about rejection, but you got to decide whether you love people enough tell them or not. Let's pray. God, we just come before you tonight, Lord, and we just, God, we thank you that, first of all, that you are willing to share with us and tell us. And Lord, I know it's hard. We all face the fear of rejection, and we're scared, and you know, you face the fear of rejection. You're God, I know. But Lord, help us to be overcomers. Help us to love other people enough that we're willing to share with them, not humbly, honestly, nicely, relevant way, Lord, what you've done for them. Lord, maybe it's just saying, God, God help me. I bet he can help you too. Maybe it's telling them the good news. Maybe it's just inviting church. It doesn't matter at this point. But God, that we would speak up for you and the power that you have to fix people's lives. Father, I pray tonight that, uh, that your spirit would just challenge and encourage each one of us to be speakers of the good news. We would speak it. We would show it, of course, too but that we would communicate the good news with all the people around us, that we would love them enough to do that very thing. Lord, we pray all of this in Jesus' name.